Hello everyone, welcome to the Refugee Radio Maastricht, a new initiative from Refugee Project Maastricht. For those of you that don't know, RPM creates a community of care by building bridges between people of different backgrounds in order to empower them to thrive in Maastricht and beyond. The main goal for the podcast is to serve as a platform for asylum seekers to share their own stories, opinion and insights <coughs> on their experiences. In addition to this, the podcast also explores different subjects from culture, customs, arts and politics. Um, on today's episode, our guest is Safwan Abdul Hamid. Um, he will tell us about his journey from Syria to the Netherlands. Um, we'll go through maybe yeah, the path he took um, and also the difficulties he might have met. Hello, Safwan. Hello, Sarah. Thank you very much for inviting me for uh, this uh, platform. Yeah. My Fantastic. pleasure. My pleasure. Can you maybe present yourself shortly? Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. This is Safwan. I'm Safwan Abdul Hamid. I'm um, uh, from Syria, but my root is Palestinian. Yeah, I'm from the Palestinian refugees in Syria, of Syria. My for sure, my grandfather has been born there and has been born. But my grandfather who left Palestine as a refugee, came into Syria to, to have his family uh, there, yeah. I'm 35 years old, married, and uh, have two daughters. Unfortunately, uh, my family is still in Syria. Um, uh, I was working in Syria with the um, United Nations for 10 years, but unfortunately in the last uh, <coughs> The last period, I faced some obstacles and challenges. Forced me to leave alone, yeah, uh, from Syria. Uh, it was uh, threatening my life, yeah, there. Um, and I'm new here in Netherlands. I'm <coughs> I have uh, almost one year, yeah, here in Netherlands, uh, living in uh, Maastricht, as it say. Okay, 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 good. So maybe before getting into um, the travel that you had to make and also the challenges that you said you faced there and that pushed you to move um can you tell us maybe a bit more about your life in syria you told me you were working for native nations yeah what was your job <coughs> um how was your life as a palestinian there did you yeah. feel home yeah, yeah tell me yeah actually um i was living in uh, in the north of syria in aleppo city yeah there is a camp for the palestinian refugees there it's called Nairab camp i was living there and um You know the main challenge for the Palestinians there, it's, uh, or the key challenge for us, it's uh, in the life is uh, the education. Yeah, people they have the only path for for them to overcome the life challenges. It's to become educated. For this reason, if you want to throw the Palestinian, you can't find a, a high rate of educated people uh, among the Palestinian people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in general, not only the Palestinian refugees of uh, of Syria. Yeah, so so the main I'm. Uh, I was a member of uh, a big family. Uh, we are five brothers, and my father and my mother who were living in the camp. Um, all of us, we are, um, luckily, we managed to to to, uh, to go to schools and university and to to uh, uh, to earn a good education in general. Yeah, um, and it was a dream of our uh, parents. Yeah, it's, uh, because our parents. They were unlikely to. They were not able to study. Yeah, so they want to to find their dreams and their children. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the, the reaching very good education and having very good path. Yeah, that means they are achieving not only 
your dreams, also achieving your your parents' dreams because they was not able to to reach that you mm-hmm. know, you know, back then because of the difficulties. Uh, you know. uh, and so, how was your life there? Yeah, mm, in the last uh, nine years, it was uh, very difficult uh, because. Um, when the crisis started in Syria, um, my father lost his job. So from when to when? Yeah, year? in 2012. Yeah, okay. the crisis started in 2011. Mm-hmm. In 2012, beginning of 2012, my father lost his, his, uh, his job. Luckily, I was uh, um, recently working or newly started to work with the United Nations, with UNRWA. UNRWA is a UN agency working with the Palestinian refugees there. So I find myself that I am a responsible on the family. I have to work mm-hmm. responsible of the family and to study again, yeah, because I in that time I was only half the bachelor's. After that I did the um, high diploma and master. All of that it was within the crisis, yeah. So within the crisis yeah. you had to work to make money for your family yeah. and follow your studies to maybe get something better after. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and for sure helping my my because I am the the oldest uh, uh, son yeah to help my father in making decision the family decisions yeah and thinking about everything especially in two thousand twelve we forced to leave the camp because the camp became besieged by by uh, by the um, uh, forces who were uh, fighting uh, there so we forced to leave the camp to another area so also we have. To, to pay um, the cost of rent house, mm-hmm. living in a, in a new community we are not familiar with. And it and was yeah, still in Aleppo, this? Or? It was in Aleppo, yeah. We moved from the camp, it's one of the Aleppo neighborhoods, to another neighborhood. So it's a little bit more safe, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure, during all the crisis, Aleppo was not safe at all, yeah. It was. Um, uh, yeah, the most dangerous place in the world, I think, as United Nations uh, reported. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, this is this is uh, the main challenge to me that I uh, I woke up from uh, early morning till the end of the night while I'm working, studying, caring about my my family to to survive. And how yeah. old were you at the time? Mm. It's a difficult question. I have to calculate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think twenty six, twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah, twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah. So, so, uh, so everything came to my shoulders too yeah. early. Yeah, yeah, a lot of responsibilities, right? Yeah, yeah, and um, the main challenge that to support my my brothers is to complete their study. Yeah, mm, to pay the cost of the university and um, everything. Yeah, you know. All of them, they are studying. We are not able to work. And you had and to provide everything. the money for them to be able to study. Everything, yeah, yeah. So you you already had a, a big family, even without then uh, yeah, yeah, having your yeah. own kids. You had your own <laughs> and kids. They, they adapted till now. They become a very very uh, young. Until now, they counted on me. If they want to take any decision, they have to call me and. Explain everything to me and help them to take a decision. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. Second dad. <laughs> yeah, second dad. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. It's reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. After that, uh, I, uh, uh, in terms of my career path, I mo- moved from Onorwa to an- another organization, 
to Zionic CR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the good thing it was a, a development in my career path. Yeah, UNHCR was responsible for all the collective shelters for uh, internal displaced people in Aleppo. Okay, and rehabilitating everything and uh, to response for the crisis uh, in Aleppo. Uh, I worked with them for two years. After that, I moved to a higher position with another organization called UN OCHA. UN OCHA is a United Nations organiz- uh, office. Uh, for coordination humanitarian affairs. Yeah, they are responsible to coordinate all the humanitarian affairs for all the United Nations agencies, UNICEF, UNCR, UNRWA, all of them, all 12 uh, organizations, and bring them together to act as a one family. Yeah. So this is a type of my work, yeah, it's coordination plus organization. So in- interesting, because your, your work is pretty much tied to your personal yeah. history, yeah. experience and everything, right? Yeah, I feel it's uh, I'm doing something. It's not too far from my personal experience. Yeah, because I'm originally a refugee. I was living in a camp. So and when I started to see the Syrian people are suffering uh, uh, the crisis and and losing losing their houses, leaving their houses to a collective shelters. Yeah, so I was able to feel uh, 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 and to put myself in their position and to feel what they are feeling mm-hmm. yeah it was very tough yeah and uh, i was trying to help like uh, uh, like uh, a person who has this position yeah i don't want anyone to to repeat the experience of my grandfather mm-hmm. yeah and my father having to yeah to, to be yeah because i know it's a long story could not only impact your your uh, your uh, daily food it's only will impact your future and you can see syrian People, unfortunately, a lot of generation lost their their educations. Yeah, right. you can go to Syria now and see um, five years and six years children are walking to help their families. Mm-hmm. It's tragical, tragical issue. Yeah, because on the yeah. short term, it's already tragic because you have to yeah. find a shelter, have food, put like you know money in your plate, yeah. whatever. And then on the long term, because you have the responsibility of future generations coming yeah, there. Yeah. I get you. Yeah, when I become 30 years <coughs> old, I finished my master, I finished my studying. Uh, I thought I have to to focus more on my personal life. Yeah, I managed to support all my brothers to start their futures. Most of them, they traveled. Three of them, they traveled. Yeah, and uh, remain me and uh, my other brother. Um, he was also studying, so I said that also I have to do some steps in my life, yeah. So I decided to get married, yeah. So when I was 30 years old, I, I get married, yeah. Okay. And um, so you, you tell me about this crisis situation. You have to move from one camp to another place. Um, and, and, and then from then on, what leads you to really get out of Syria? Yeah. Actually, uh, in Syria there is a system, um, all the youth, uh, even if you are Palestinian, they have to report to the military, yeah? You have to go to serve the, to, in the military service. So even when you're not a national citizen, yeah. if you stay on the land, you have to do the... Uh, no, if, uh, it is applicable only for the Palestinian refugees, okay. yeah? Because Palestinian refugees, they have, uh, there is a law in Syria, they have the same... Uh, rights uh, of the Syrian, except uh, participating in elections, political elections, 
but they have the same right in everything they have right uh, to work to do everything yeah so in return they have to report to the military service similar to the Syrian. okay okay yes yeah. it's like if you want the nation to treat you as it yeah. treats the, the Syrian people then you also have to be one kids of the nation and you have to do this yeah for them. yeah okay. exactly yeah so and uh, as a United Nations staff there is a rule also that United national United States staff they should be excluded from the military service but unfortunately this decision was not recognized by uh, by the Syrian government um, and the system here as you as long as you are studying you can postpone your are you postponed the day you'll go to the military? The year, yeah, uh, year by year, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I managed to postpone many times, yeah, several times because I was studying, but it reached to a close point, yeah. So I was not able uh, to uh, to uh, to postpone it anymore. So I spent one year. Um, my name is published as wanted to the military service because I never went to to report, yeah. But actually. I don't feel that this is, um, because if you will go to the military service, you will go there and you don't know when you will finish, yeah? Five years, six years, seven years, you, ah, don't, you know. don't know. You don't know, yeah? Because it's um, a crisis, yeah? It's a special situation. So if they need you, they're going to, yeah, it yeah. depends on the situation and how it's, it goes. Yeah, and if you didn't report, they will publish your names, yeah, everywhere. And there is always, uh, like, uh, mobile checkpoints in, in any given moment, in any street, you can find new checkpoints they are checking the names yeah and if you are wanted they will catch you immediately to and take you and okay immediately yeah without giving you a chance to to call your family or to call anyone yeah and you were in this situation then where you could not postpone yeah and they had you on the list and you were still in aleppo yeah okay. yeah i spent almost eight months uh, i was going uh, to serve my my life working yeah and always try to explore the streets where I'm going, yeah, to, to ensure that there is no checkpoints, yeah. So for eight months, daily, you have to think of, like, who am I going to cross, and I don't... Yeah, not only to think when you are waking, yeah. Also, it, it, is, it was in my dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I sleep, I cannot sleep very well, yeah, because always in my dreams, it came to my mind that I could be in any given moment and be arrested, yeah. Because if they would, if they would um, find you, um, I just want to make sure I understand. If they would find you, would it mean that then they force you to do the military thingy? Or does it mean that then you're really under arrest because you didn't present yourself there? Uh, it's, depend- it's different from case to case. There mm-hmm. is the law, but, uh, but what happened with me, when they catch me, they take, took me immediately to, to, uh, uh, to the police for almost one week. After that, they transfer me to the military base to start serving, yeah. Okay. But uh, from the time that you they catch you, yeah, they take all your civil documents. You don't have ID, yeah, and for sure your names will be on the border. You cannot leave legally bas- by, by passport. So, and you will have like a military ID, yeah. yeah. So, uh, after eight months, they catch me, yeah. And What year was this? It was in March 2000, uh, uh, 2019. Okay. Yeah, March 2019. Um, the problem that uh, was in that time that uh, my was my wife was pregnant uh, in the second baby. Yeah. She was in the um, third month. Yeah. 
and you know how it's risky to have like an uh, emotional shock mm. on a pregnant woman. Yeah. yeah, it was very difficult for her. Yeah, and they catch me and they save me to the military service. Yeah, um, I went there for like a training courses. It was for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, after the six months, they send me to serve um, in the desert. Yeah, I was in the desert. Uh, living in a tent uh, where nothing I don't know why they have like this military points in that area yeah I have to travel like uh, if I want to reach if I'm on a vacation I have to travel for example in the 11 uh, o'clock at evening and to reach my point next day at four o'clock okay uh, that's long yeah it's very long yeah and I have to use many type of transportation to reach there yeah you don't have any connection, you don't have internet, you don't have uh, anything. If I want to call my family, yeah, it's very difficult. I was living in a tent, fully by mouses. Um, How long did you stay in that situation? <sighs> Actually, once I arrived there, I decided that I have to escape. Yeah. So, but for sure, it will be risky on my life because taking like such a decision it's a risk on my life because once they know that, they will kill me immediately. Mm-hmm. But I have took the decision because I'm in a position like a death, yeah, a death body, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. where I cannot do anything. I have some saved money, it could cover my family for one year, but after that, how they will leave? Mm-hmm. Because you don't have a salary, yeah, it's a salary, it's not enough for the transportation, and you are living in the desert in, in such situation. And doing nothing, yeah. And you don't know when you will be released. And if they release you after five years, for example, for instance, after five years you will be forget all the skills and competencies that you learn from your experience. Mm-hmm. I will be my age; it will be thirty nine. Who will accept to dip, to employ me? At, to employ one person, he has thirty nine old mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. And uh, he forget everything yeah, uh, about his experience, mm-hmm. what he will do for us. Okay, yeah. Nobody, yeah. So you had and no perspective. If you stayed there, there were no perspective, neither for you and for your family. Yeah. So I took the decision that I have to escape. Yeah. So I tried many times, yeah. Um, but within one month, I managed to, to, to escape. But I was having a personal decision when I'm escaping. If they catch me, I will kill myself before they kill me. This was the thing you this told yourself? What, yeah, this was my decision. Because if they catch me, I will go to suffer in, in Israel under the ground. Mm-hmm. For I don't know how long it will be. After that, for sure, they will kill me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And this decision, you took it you know, to escape at first. Did you um, communicate that with your families, your brothers and sisters, your, your wife? Did you discuss that? Or it was more you took that personal decision and then you told them? Actually, it is only with my close family, yeah? It was uh, only with my wife, my father, mother, and brother. Yeah, they were the only people they, they know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an not expected uh, decision for them. They shocked. Oh. And I remember a moment, the moment that I told my father that I want to do that. It was a horrible uh, moment, yeah. He started to cry mm. because uh, 
He told me if they catch me, catch me, we cannot do anything for you. Mm. What we can do for you? It is. Uh, it was very difficult. Yeah. No, I get that. But you took the bet, so you decided you will do this. I decided because there is no way, no options for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. either to try this. Uh, in our, in any way, I am not living with my family and I am with my children. Yeah, and I am suffering the decision. Mm-hmm. Either to take this decision and to survive, and to be able to establish for better future for my family, mm-hmm. or to stay like that and. Let my family living with uh, without their fathers. Yeah. And so, did you, when you decided you're gonna escape, did you know already you want to go to the Netherlands, or did you know which country, how, or? Actually, it was clear for me the decision it's, uh, to go to Netherlands. Yeah, because uh, Netherlands, uh, in general, it is the most uh, fast country in terms of the procedures. Yeah. Because so for bureaucracy, I, it's easier to yeah, transfer. Yeah, mm-hmm. because already I have nine months uh, without my family when I'm in the military service. Yeah, and I don't want to be more than that uh, without them. Unfortunately, if I am almost two years without them, yeah, from March 2020, and now we are close to March 2021. Mm-hmm. From March 2019 19, yeah. till close to... March 2000. So you didn't see them at all, at all, since those two years? Uh, it's two years, yeah. No, but during the, my military service, every month I was able to go, mm. for example, for uh, 24 hours, yeah, only to see them and come back. Okay. Yeah. That's really short. Yeah, it was not an easy at all. Yeah. Okay, and so, how was the, how was your way? How, how did you decide it, this is the day I'm gonna... Um, <laughs> actually, uh, I told you once I arrived to the military base. Yeah, um, I decided that I have to escape. Yeah. So every time I have vacation, yeah, every ten days I go, for example, for four days uh, to see my family. Yeah, during I told you it's twenty four hours during the training period. But after mm-hmm. I finish the training period, every ten days I was able to take four days off. Yeah. Okay. Every time I tried to escape, but I failed first time. So I went again 10 days to the military base and again tried to, uh, again, but also I failed. And how, how, would, you do, how would you do to, to uh, go away? Actually, there, is, there are smugglers, yeah? People, they can, you pay a money for them and they, a lot of money for sure, yeah? And they take the responsibility and they provide a corridor for, uh, for you because You have to move from the government area through the fire line uh, fronts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to cross the fire lines to the armed opposition groups areas. Yeah, to be a little bit unsafe. Yeah, after that you have to complete to cross to Turkey and complete your life. So there's also a risk of failures at every single stage, kind of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is a risky way. It was, I, I call it the death way. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know how I survived, thank God, yeah, but it was really miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, you tried the se- first time, didn't work, second time, didn't work? Yeah, third time I managed to, to yeah, fa- it didn't work, it wasn't, uh, yeah, I was asking about everything, yeah, first time and second time I wasn't feel that it is granted or safe, yeah, but first time, third time I feel, yeah, it's okay, this is the time that I have to try. 
Okay. Try it and then just do it for yourself. Okay. And how did you do? Did you do this uh, trip alone? No, actually, they are smuggler. They are taking you. Uh, and so you had other people that were doing the same thing as you, also living at the yeah, time. Yeah, they, they collect you with another people coming from different uh, uh, places. Yeah, you don't know them before, mm -hmm. but they collect people together and they put it together as a group and they. Cross with them, yeah, to 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 be to the opposition group. And and how long uh, did it last? The entire trip from when you leave uh, Syria to when you arrive to the Netherlands. It was four and a half months. Four and a half months. Four and a half months. Yeah. It take one week for me to leave from Syria to Idlib, from uh, Idlib within Syria, from Aleppo to Idlib, which is under the opposition's groups. Yeah, and spent also about one, one, one week in Idlib, yeah, and after that I managed to cross to Turkey. Um, then I went to Izmir mm -hmm. in Turkey, yeah. Um, yeah, in Turkey I spent almost 20 days, I think, 15 to 20 days. And then I took a boat, yeah, I joined a group in a boat to uh, uh, Grace Island. It's called Simi. It's mm -hmm. close to big uh, island called Rhodos. Yeah. So also I spent 23 days in Simi. Then the police there they decided to move us to to the mainland, to a city or to other to a camp close to uh, Athens. Mm -hmm. It's called in a city called Corinthus. Uh, yeah, and from from the camp I tried to also all of that throw smugglers, yeah? Mm -hmm. Throw one smuggler to, to, to use a fake uh, documents to fly it to Netherlands, yeah. It takes uh, four and a half months, so. That's a, that's yeah, a, yeah. a long time, indeed. Yeah. And it was very stressful, mm -hmm. especially, uh, I mean, physically, it is very tough from Syria to, to Greece, but in Greece, um, psychologically, it's very stressful. So can you tell me why from Syria it's it's hard physically and, and why then in Greece it's hard mentally? Yeah, because uh, uh, from Syria to, to Greece you have to cross the border between the uh, forest and the mountains and you have to escape the soldier, soldier uh, the border guards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, it was really, really tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah physically it's really tough. and. Using the boat to cross the sea to, to the island, it is very risky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, especially the Turkish guard, uh, sea guard, they trying to push us to push our uh, our uh, boats to return back to Turkey. Yeah, but uh, luckily it was close to to uh, to the Greece uh, island, so it was in the Greece water. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you were already in the Greece water, so they yeah, can't push so the military, the Greece military police, they, they came and they gave them, like, alarm, killed them, yeah? Mm -hmm. So they returned back, yeah. And for sure, there is a very famous um, video on YouTube showing that trip, yeah? Mm -hmm. It's very risky. 15 minutes, they are trying to push our uh, uh, boats to force us to return back, yeah? And they failed, yeah? And we managed to, to complete our... In Greece, uh, it's nice country, but it's not it's not good country for refugees to build a future. Yeah, 
so uh, it's not difficult phys- physically because it is easy way to to uh, to cross to another country it is mm-hmm. only to buy a ticket and uh, fake uh, documents go to the airport and try if you pass it's okay if you didn't the police they will take the paper and they will tell you go out yeah mm-hmm. you will not be arrested or, or okay. something like there is no legal obligations yeah this is the good things in in the airport way but you feel yeah uh, you are not able uh, to proceed yeah it's it's completely dependent on luck yeah and uh, it is difficult to establish a life there yeah you know that's stu- the economic situation in Greece even the Greece people yeah. are suffering from situation yeah of course there. even Greek people are, are kind of moving more so now. yeah ha- yeah and uh, the system there when you get the residency uh, which take two or three years yeah to get the residency they will tell you okay you get the residency go and manage your life by yourself yeah mm-hmm. you have to learn the language you have to do to look for a work yeah to do everything by yourself yeah and you imagine three years to get two or three years to get the residency and your family is away mm-hmm. yeah and uh, you will bring them to to the darkness yeah? yeah you don't know what is the future in the great so it wasn't an option for me yeah? because at first you were still open maybe I'm gonna take my family to Greece but then you arrive there and you s- you realize it's not where you want them to be no the decision as I told you from the beginning uh, it was uh, our decision to go to Netherlands okay yeah. also even w- with your wife it was settled the goal is final destination yeah, Netherlands is Netherlands yeah mm-hmm. yeah Greece it wasn't uh, a place but when when I was I know some information about the situation of Greece before I leave Syria But once I arrived in Greece, I shocked in the situation because I experienced that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was really stressful for me. And how long did you stay in Greece in the end? Um, from from December till mid of March. Okay. Yeah. Or from November till mid of March. Yeah. And then from Greece directly to the Netherlands. Yeah. And in the Netherlands directly to Maastricht, or did you? No, in the Netherlands, uh, um, the funny things, yeah. That I have my brother here. He's living here in uh, in, uh, in Netherlands, and uh, uh, in the day that I arrived to to the airport, he was in Lebanon and coming back. He was in Lebanon to see my family. Yeah, mm-hmm. he my family uh, my parents traveled to Lebanon and he went to Lebanon and they met together after five years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So and uh, he arrived uh, once I arrived. Uh, I arrived at 10 a.m. And his flight will arrive to 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 Amsterdam Airport at 11. Whoa! So I am the one that hour. yeah yeah I'm the one that was waiting him to say welcome to Netherlands yeah and he has he has well he's here since a longer time yeah welcome to Netherlands. welcome home brother <laughs> yeah oh. yeah and uh, it was 16 of March 2020 the same day that they announced the close. first lockdown because of corona yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so i went to his home spent one month waiting the tear up uh, camp where people uh, go there to apply for asylum seeker mm-hmm. yeah uh, to reopen yeah i was waiting there so th- after that i went and applied it was in the 10th of uh, of april 2020 yeah yeah the uh, initial procedures take uh, almost one month Yeah, after that they decided me they decided to send me to Maastricht to wait my uh, procedure to be completed yeah I arrived here in Maastricht in the second uh, uh, June 2020 to the new collective shelter okay. yeah and uh, I was in the first group that arrived to this new camp 
and I was the first one who put his foot inside in the camp. new camp. Yeah. Ah, you're the yeah. lucky one then. Yeah. Excuse me, sir. The first two. Here again, you could say welcome yeah. to the other. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the first one. Okay, okay, okay. And I guess then when you when you arrived, it was a lot of relief, right? Like your. Yeah. Uh, it is bitter, yeah, because I experienced a life a little bit in in uh, in Netherlands. Get relaxed more, yeah. Even my soul still in Syria with my family and my daughters, yeah. But it's bitter from the double uh, stress that I had during uh, my being in Syria and mm-hmm. on the on the way to Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. And how did you, how did you find it uh, as a refugee in the Netherlands? Um, how did you find like the the, the, pe- the people the Dutch people let's say culturally did, did you find that they were like welcoming um, or was it on the contrary maybe hard to yeah. to socialize how was it for you I will answer you through my experience in the village where my brother lived okay uh, once I arrived to the village yeah the people of the uh, of that village they are very friendly yeah mm-hmm. uh, we are the Arab people if we are working in the street and someone is sitting on the chair outside because I'm coming toward him, I have to say hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. Then to complete my way. They are they are in the opposite, yeah? If he's sitting outside uh, and show you that you are crossing in front of his uh, uh, house, he stand up and say hi. Mm. How are you? Yeah, and complete his sitting. Yeah. They are very friendly. Yeah, and uh, I feel they are very welcome. Yeah, they are open community. Yeah, and here especially also, if I want to speak about uh, Maastricht, yeah, mm-hmm. I managed to get in touch with many Dutch people here in, uh, in Maastricht through different chances. Yeah, they are very friendly. They are very welcoming. Yeah, and uh, you don't feel that they are uh, uh, they have a problem with you. Why? Mm-hmm. Why you are coming to our country? No, yeah, they don't have this attitude. Yeah, this is what. This is my feeling and this is what I experienced uh, yeah. so far. Yeah, so. Nice. just heard uh, has been made by RPM music team. Um, my name is Sarah and I'm back with uh, our guest today, Safwan Abdul Hamid. Um, so Safwan, you told us about your journey um, from Syria to Turkey to Greece and to the Netherlands. Um, can you maybe tell us more about uh, how you got to know RPM, mm-hmm. what you do with RPM and maybe about your future prospect? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually from It was my previous decision, yeah, before also even arrive to Netherlands. Once I arrive here, I have to engage with uh, in a volunteer uh, uh, work. Um, 
for different purposes yeah one of them to get in uh, engage with the local community with the people to know the the culture to learn the language yeah, uh, etc and to understand the nature in general and explore the city uh, explore the the country from different per- uh, perspectives yeah mm-hmm. and also because I have experience with that yeah 10 years old working with the United Nations I, I feel that it could be improved here by being volunteer with another organization so you can bring your expertise to help yeah and well. their experience also mm-hmm. yeah to frankly saying yeah it's, uh, it's not only to to share my experience yeah to exchange experience yeah, mm-hmm. yeah for sure um, because uh, uh, people always always uh, learn yeah yeah even uh, different culture from different experience yeah. mm-hmm. so once I arrived to Maastricht like I did a map for all the active uh, organizations are working with uh, or has a humanitarian uh, aspect yeah and uh, I have a long list yeah I communicated with all of them yeah but unfortunately because it was corona yeah and uh, most of those organization was closed or inactive mm-hmm. temporarily inactive yeah so But by the chance, I went one day to uh, to attend a Tal Cafe course in, uh, in the in-between. After that, I discovered that this uh, 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 activity organized by uh, RBM, mm. which is one of the organizations that I communicated with. So I get in touch with them, I explain uh, the idea. So after that, they when they activated themselves again uh, um, in the new season or the new education year, They communicated with me asking to be uh, with them in a new project called the Ambassador Project. Ambassador Project, it is our part of the refugees to be volunteer with RBM and they are already uh, part of the refugee community in mm-hmm. living in mm-hmm. the Azit Sayyid of Maastricht. Yeah. Uh, so I like the idea and uh, um, uh, I communicated with many friends in the, in the camp from different nationality and different uh, culture. Yeah, And uh, now we are a group of seven people I'm leading this group yeah and the idea as I told you it is to uh, to communicate the uh, uh, RBM activity to the refugees and also to reflect the refugees need to 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 be considered by uh, RBM uh, uh, plans yeah. okay so that RPM yeah. yeah accounts directly for what you say you need as yeah. refugees in how they're gonna help you basically exactly okay. exactly this is what I want to say yeah so I'm, I'm leading this group I'm also volunteer with uh, uh, in another uh, project it's also under RBM yeah which is uh, newly started this is a body project this is to link the people uh, from the camp mm-hmm. which are people with the people from the local community so everyone uh, from the camp he has his own body Uh, or his own friend uh, from the local community where they can go outside, walking, chatting, um, do social activity, uh, uh, practicing uh, Dutch language. Yeah, possible. Yeah, this is uh, a really nice project we started recently, mm-hmm. and it is. Uh, yeah, these days we, we we started to witness the result. Yeah, people they started to meet. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and also I support another another uh, type of activities. Yeah. Yeah, this is my experience. I joined the RBM uh, since uh, November 2020. Yeah, okay. I'm almost uh, four four months. Yeah, with them. Yeah, I like the atmosphere because it's international atmosphere. I'm interacting with uh, 
with European people from different countries. That mean I'm interacting not only with the European culture, also with the specific culture of each country, uh, Spanish, mm-hmm. Italian, uh, German, French, uh, Dutch. Yeah, and this is also uh, good to me to understand uh, the European countries and uh, the culture because this is the community that I am going to establish my life for a long time. Yeah, yeah. so it's good to understand yeah. the culture. Yeah, and, and what uh, you're going to leave to your kids as well. If, 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 if the girls come here at some point, they're going to yeah. grow up here, right? Yeah, so. sure. This is my plan. Yeah, my plan is, uh, is as much as I discover and uh, understand the, the context here, in the Netherlands will be more smoothly for my family when they come come here, yeah, mm-hmm. because they will will come to to something clear, yeah, mm-hmm. and everything is clear, and I will be able to decide in which direction that we have to 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 build our uh, our path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll be able to guide them because you're already here. You know, yeah. you know yeah. the landscape, you know the people. Yeah. So you can also better pick what is good for them and what you what you want. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah understanding the culture and to to uh, to do this uh, uh, dialogue between our culture and the Dutch culture and make it mixed yeah, so yeah. I think it will be very nice uh, yeah. result yeah nice and so yeah. how do you how do you think it's going do you think um, your family might be able to join you in in some years uh, how do you see that hopefully soon because I'm still waiting my residency yeah um, I'm almost here one year, and the IND, they have uh, one year uh, uh, as a period to decide about my status. Yeah, After I get the residency, I will apply for the family unification. So it's also, I think it could take, um, hopefully not too, too long, but in the max one year. Yeah, So hopefully within one, one, and two, one year and two months is maximum, they will... Uh, able to join me yeah nice so yeah. hopefully 2022 or 2023 for sure hopefully yeah so but i'm trying to invest invest the time that my family are not with me to focus on my study yeah i have a master degree but i have to do like another master here yeah oh. hopefully in the sustainable development maybe or uh, yeah because uh, i can do v- validation for my certificates here but it could not be accepted by the local market, yeah, mm-hmm. by the work market. So I want to have like a, a degree from here. Degree okay. from here to be able to get a good job at least, yeah, 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 here. Because it's not, it's not in my plan at all to be depending completely on the on the governmental assistant to yeah. to, to establish my like my life, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. I'm grateful to 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 the Dutch for all the support that they are providing. For us and for the refugees, yeah, not only the government, even the com- the European community in mm-hmm. general, yeah, but also I have to to be dependent, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, this kind of appreciation for this uh, for this uh, help, it is also to be dependent and to to start and depending on my life, yeah. my, my myself. Yeah. So, so this help that you receive from from them is uh, is nice that it, it's a transitory. Uh, kind of situation yeah, that sure. enables you to invest and then hopefully of course to yeah, be yeah, um, yeah, able to manage yeah, on your yeah, own. Yeah, exactly. And it's really a, a great chance because the support it's in all the direction, not only in establishing yeah in, in providing the food and shelter, etc. They give a chance even to be integrated, a chance to, to study university, to to do everything, mm-hmm. yeah, as similar as a Dutch person. Yeah. Nice. Uh, which is uh, really appreciated, yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
So in the end, uh, yeah, that that's that's really good. I'm really happy that you're away, even though it was really hard, as you said, tough physically and mentally. But in the end, if you feel that you came to the right place to welcome your family, I think that's the that's the best, right? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, after all of that suffering, yeah, hopefully it will be ended by uh, arriving here and my family join me and uh, be able to uh, to live safely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. Great. Thank you so, so much, Safwan. I think it was a really interesting talk. And yeah. I learned a lot, personally. So thank you really much. Um, so okay. now we're going to let you. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want more information about RPM, you can visit our website. And if you want to tell us a story, don't hesitate to contact us 